0: hello welcome to sass and nosh i'm alex and i'm kim (laughs) today (laughs) today we are full of we're
1: we are i don't know about the nosh but i know we're full of sass today you guys everyone listening i'm just gonna say please sit down get some water and sit down because it's gonna be a whopper
0: (laughs) water or whiskey your choice Mm
1: a little of both maybe a little of both maybe um so what are we going to talk about today alex
0: we're going to talk about health care and how the care has gone out of the health
1: care has gone out of the health it's become uh insurance and health care and all that nonsense has become uh a circus and all of the sideshows and That's what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about healthcare, the system. Uh, We're going to talk about, uh, ultimately, we're going to talk about how you can be your own advocate, DIY doctoring. (laughs) So Alex, where do we start with this one? It's been like you and I, so the backstory for, for our dear listeners Um, The backstory is that, Alex, you have had your own experience like literally today with healthcare provider. And in your practice, you support people who um, are trying to navigate their healthcare and get basically what they're paying for um, to support their well-being. And I... Have increasingly been experiencing some challenges in my own healthcare adventure that have been really frustrating. They've been really eye opening, very discouraging, and disheartening. Um, and I'm pissed off about it.
0: <laughs> oh, yes. So let me go into a little bit about um, this morning. So this morning, my mornings are very busy. I have two children and I try to book everything in doubles so I don't waste my time, um, nor anyone else's time. So this morning at 7.30, I raced to the lab to have some blood work drawn for both children and... Um, I got there and they're like, "Yeah, take a number." Okay, I'm taking a number and I'm like, "Are there many people?" The waiting room was semi-empty. They're like, "Well, there's six people ahead of you." I'm like, "Okay, a blood draw shouldn't take that long." 7:30 bleeds into 8:30, and by this time I'm starting to ask questions of like, "What's going on? What's taking so long?" Oh, well, you know, you still have two people ahead of you and. We're, we're looking up the information, and I'm like, it's a standing order. I have two standing orders for blood work. And they're like, yeah, but one of them has expired. I said, hmm, okay. Um. The old expired standing order. And um, in, my, in my line of work, that for me translates to, oh, the pencil pushers have decided to expire it so that they don't really have to have the money to back doing that sort of thing. Anyway, so as time goes by, I I finally ask what is going on? They're like, well, we're trying to reach them right now at the office and your doctor is out on a day off. I said, "Mm, yes, okay, so nobody else can take a look at this. They're like, well, I'm trying to talk to them. And so at this point, I sit back down in the seat and I call the office myself. And I said, look, I have a standing order. And yes, it may have expired, but last time we went in a week ago, she said she was going to rejuvenate the standing order so that I could get this done. And... They're like, yeah, we see that, but it's her day off. So, you know, you can go back to the lab uh, when, when she approves it. No. Uh, yeah. I said, excuse me? You can go back to the lab when, when she approves it. I said, no, no, no. I don't have that kind of time. And I've already been here for more than an hour and a half. This needs to happen now. Get any other doctor you have in the clinic, approve this, and get let's get this done. Well, you know, they're all seeing patients right now and they need to look the file <laughs> and da 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 No. Get whoever's coming out of, the, out of a patient's room to just approve this. And then I, uh, you know, I hang up. And and then, and then I talk to the lab and I'm like, look, it just needs to be approved. It's a standing order. It, I, I said, can you take an extra vial of blood so that you know you can label it later when it gets approved whenever they get to it, um, you know they 're hemming and hawing, and well, someone needs to talk to somebody else and da, da, da. meanwhile, mind you it 's like creeping on nine nine twenty nine thirty that whole staff, that front staff there 's five or six people i don 't know what they 're doing, but they 're eating burritos and it smells. I nor my children have eaten. I had them drink water. But we're fasting and all these smells, and then all these kids, and then I hear other people coming in and about labs, and da da da. One person comes in with their child. She needs a COVID test. And I'm like, what on earth? If she needs a COVID test, she needs to be in another area, not here. No. And then after a little more talk, it turns out she's gonna go for surgery. That's why they want the COVID test. Oh, but they want it closer to the surgery time. I'm just like, wow, this is a real shit show here. Mm-hmm. So finally, I, after much pushing and past the two hour mark, they, t- they take us in, they're getting the blood, they get the extra blood from my son. And then, you know, I am just gunning it home because the kids have to go to their Zoom classes. And I've missed an appointment here at home. And it's just, I get home and then I get the call from the office. Well, we've approved it. So now, you know. I said, that's great. Did you tell the lab? Oh, yeah. Well, you can go to into the lab because the... <laughs> I said, no, 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 no. That's not how this works. I don't have that kind of time. You need to call the lab immediately and tell them because they have a vial that's empty that's waiting for this order. Oh, well. And I'm like, excuse me? Oh, well. And I knew the next words out of her mouth were going to be, they're not supposed to do that. But Mm -hmm. if she had come out with that, I was going to just really have at it because... I've spent over two hours waiting and possibly who knows what kind of contagion I had. The woman, a few seats down, had some awful cold. And I'm thinking, what is this? This is no health. And this is no care And for what?
1: I mean, it's like, it's, it's so, so your experience among, I mean, there's a lot of things to pull out of there that are, that don't feel good. You know, I mean, and especially it's not like you're in your family have chronic illnesses that you're in there every, every day for, which is a whole other issue. But it's like, it's like, it's like, it's like the people who have the power to say, this is what you need. It's not getting filtered through the 38 people that implement the plan. And, 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 they don't want to it's like this is it's like customer service in other places people don't want to take a minute to say how can we straighten this out for you it's literally oh you didn't get what you
0: needed oh well good luck figure it out and let us know what happens That is most frustrating, especially when this is their job. This is what they roll around with. But, you know, and on top of all this, to add insult to injury, I had to pay $4 for parking. <laughs> okay. it's $4. Thank God for me, it's not a big deal to $4. But there are a lot of people where $4, especially in COVID times, is a whole fuck meal for a day Mm -hmm. why are we still in COVID times and charging people parking for necessary health care i think you know a friend of mine
1: so so before i make that statement so i'm gonna share i had i had a similar but more protracted experience um recently where, um, I have chronic migraine and the plan is supposed to be as per my neurologist, the specialist, she specializes in migraine. And for those of you that don't know, I'm not talking about the headache that makes you want to rip your eyeballs out. Um, just a little nugget of information since people are listening, we can educate, right? So, migraine many people don't know this migraine is actually a neurological condition it's an it's actually the umbrella name for a neurological condition that invokes a series of neurological processes so under the so migraine is the thing and I don't, all of a sudden Siri's like, hey Siri, I, I, I wasn't looking to you. Okay, sorry, um, I got distracted because Siri started talking. <laughs> um, okay, so it, it's, a, it's, a, it's an umbrella term for neurological condition. And for those of you who get migraine headaches, the ones that make you want to rip your eyeballs out of your head that is actually a very small percentage of how migraine is, is expressed. So if we were looking at a spectrum of, of this condition, like only a little tiny thumbnail is that pounding headache, but because that's the most common, whenever somebody says I have a migraine, that's what they think of. But there are several different types of migraine, and some of them actually do not have pain at all. It is just um, really severe, debilitating, physiological things that happen. Um, In my type of migraine, it's called atypical hemiplegic migraine, And typically what that looks like at its absolute worst is it mimics a stroke, (laughs) Um, like all the way down to drooping face and muscle weakness. And um, it's really serious and it's very uncomfortable because going along with that, I'm getting uh, random uh, surges of adrenaline. I lose my ability sometimes to speak I get confused, um, I'm having, I get chest pain and chest tightness. Um, my body goes numb. I, I mean, it's like hallucinations. I mean, it's like, it's, it's really jacked up and it's really scary. Um, and as you can imagine, it's really important when I feel one of those coming on, just like anybody who has um, chronic migraine, the headache kind, we all know that when we feel it coming on, you need to stop it in its tracks. You need to like make it not happen. So this is the plan for me that I get with my neurologist and I'm supposed to, I have a cocktail, consists of um, a pain medication to eliminate the inflammation and block the pain receptors and the process. Um, Benadryl to make me take a really sweet nap while the other medicine is working and also an anti-nausea medication, right? That's the cocktail. So in order to get this, I have to first call the neurology office and tell them I'm coming. And then I go get a shot.
0: This is like labor.
1: Yeah. It's like, well, and that sounds easy, right? Call, Hey, I'm coming. Mm-hmm. I'll see you in a minute. What actually happens, <laughs> it's kind of like those memes you see on social media. This is what I look like on Instagram. This is what I look like on Facebook. <laughs> mm-hmm. So what happens is I follow exactly the doctor's steps. Neurology says, no, we don't give you those shots. You have to get one from, well, no, actually they first said, ma'am, That is not a migraine that you're having. You need to call primary care. And then when I push back, it's again, no, that's not migraine. You need to call primary care. And then it's, we don't give this cocktail. You need to call primary care. So then I call primary care. You need to get a prescription from that cocktail from neurology. (laughs) Neurology needs to administer that medication. And then we go through. And so then it goes through the whole thing. And finally, this lady finally actually took a minute. And she's like, yes, you can go to the primary care clinic for this. And it does look like there is a standing order for you. Um, so I finally, I get in there. I get it done. Um, two days later, I have to do, go through this process again because the first one didn't take. And the second time I start the same thing. And this is where I'm told by neurology, no, you can't get your cocktail here. And then I'm told, and by the way, no, there's no standing order. And so it's, so I calling primary care and primary care is saying, well, we can't write the order because we're not treating you for that condition. And my, my primary care. And finally I said, you know what, screw all of you. And I headed off to urgent care. And it took me less than 20 minutes at urgent care. I walked in, I told the doctor, I have migraine. I need a cocktail. He said, great. Bada bing, bada boom. I was out of there. Right. I'm not going to tell you about the screw up with the medication and the, the fucking, they wrote me a prescription for a drug that will give me a headache I mean so it so so anyway, so all of this, it's like literally one person tells me to go talk to another and then the second person directly contradicts the first person. And and it's like all of these different pieces to this puzzle, nobody wants to do their share and they're not
0: talking to each other. This, and then, this is completely while you're debilitated. Yes. And this is completely while
1: I am in the throes of the worst possible expression of this condition. I mean, I can't think straight. I'm going to barf over all over somebody any moment now. And thank God I didn't. <laughs> you know, it's like, it's like, I can't, I can't hardly see straight. Literally my vision is jacked up. I'm, I have chest pain. I, I need to be in a cold, dark room sleeping with my drugs. And so I'm having to navigate this in that circumstance. And, the, and in the meantime, it's just like you were saying, I am both at the clinic exposed to how many people? And yeah, I know we're all wearing masks. They won't let us in without masks and they do the temperature check, but there's the asymptomatic people out there wandering around. So I've so I'm not only I'm at the clinic getting these potential exposures but I'm also at the hospital where at the emergency room where the urgent care is. And so it's like every trip you go there's something else not to mention the increased healthcare costs not just to me but to my insurance company. You know because you know, the cheapest thing is for me to roll into the nurse's clinic and get a shot. But if they don't have their shit together, I end up at emergency room where we've got, uh, we've got the ER doctor. We've got the ER nurses. They will send me, if I go to, if I go to ER, guess who's getting a, a CT scanner and MRI that day and chest x-rays, <laughs> okay. you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's like, And through all of this, and here's, here's, I think, like, you know, if we're talking about DIY healthcare through all of this, I somehow have to keep track of who's telling me what I have to keep, you know, keep track of what the instructions are. In addition to keeping a diary of the symptoms, what I ate that potentially caused them, What are the conditions of the stress that I'm experiencing so that I can report to my doctor when I see her for a whole 10 minutes? At most. At most. And, you know, I think, you know, so so a friend of mine I was sharing, because I'm like, you know, this has been happening with greater frequency. And I suspect it is that time of life for me where I'm going through some changes. And I suspect that a large part of my experience is driven by hormone fluctuations. And it's, and I think that, you know, this migraine is a separate condition and it's made more complicated. Both of, both of my conditions are made more complicated by each other. Um, and, and I was talking to a friend of mine about it, and she said, you know, as long as profit is present in healthcare, all of your healthcare providers are seeking to do this in the most streamlined, inexpensive way possible.
0: Which is ironic because we pay through the nose for all of this. And yes being spent on our end as consumers buying this insurance it's extraordinary even even in europe when you buy the additional insurance is nowhere near the rates that it is here in the united states and the more you use
1: the insurance to keep your costs down you are a the insurance views you as a greater risk of expense and so God forbid you have to change policies or seek a different insurer. And this was the whole thing about why I know a lot of people hated Obamacare. I know a lot of people, and there's legit complaints. It was imperfect. But some of these mechanisms in place that were really intended to protect us, the patient, not the consumer, but the patient. Mm-hmm have been endangered if not eliminated thank you to the whatever word you want to say in the white house (laughs) Mm -hmm. self-censorship it was a little bit of self-censorship there but yeah it's like it's like profit over people this is just
0: another example of profit over people It truly is, but I think you can see that everywhere here in the United States. I mean, it's really, for example, it really disgusts me that I can, I open up any magazine or you watch television at all and you'll see advertisements for prescription drugs. And in Mm -hmm. my opinion, you either need this, your doctor, and you discuss needing this or not. It's not, oh, oh, I saw this drug. Let me take that. It's absolutely insane and it's, it's unethical. It is unethical. And you
1: know, the thing about the prescription drugs, I, I used to work in a medical clinic and, um, and that was a long time ago. And I, I hope things have changed a little bit. I don't know if they have, but we would have, we loved it on Fridays. When the drug reps came. Yes,
0: when they'd come visiting with lunch and gifts. And these were this wasn't like
1: ten Subway sandwiches for the whole clinic. I mean, this was some catered shit. Mm-hmm. And those goodies, I mean, you know, the swag that you would get. And the doctors had and that was the thing is that, you know, we weren't supposed to be there, but the doctors would go, they they literally would walk in, Hey, how you doing? Y'all yeah, prescribe your drug five minutes or less. And then they'd split. The rest of us would go sit in there and hang out with the drug reps and we'd be chowing on this really amazing lunch. And I was the minimum wage staff member, right? I was poor back then. And so it was just like, I'm going to eat for free. And, you know, so you get like coupons for massage or, you know, you they would have sometime, they would have somebody come in that would offer like, you know, acupressure so you could get like your hands done, you know, whatever, like all this shit. And, and it's like, it's bribery. It is. It's bribery. It's bribery. But the other thing that I learned about the process with, with drugs, and there might even be some stuff on Netflix about this right now, (laughs) but the pro it's like, if you ever noticed, um, like the thing right now are the off-label prescriptions for medication. So so what that is, so you guys have to look into, first of all, the whole process for how a drug is approved. You will never want to take a prescribed medication ever again if you see what actually happens before FDA approves it. Do not think for a minute just because it's got FDA approval that that everything is prescribed is 100% safe because it's not. It's all about how you understand statistics Mm -hmm. (laughs) and outcomes. But I digress. (laughs) Off-label prescription is when a drug is approved for a specific purpose. So say, for example, a drug is approved as an anti-seizure medication. But let's say that... The way the drug works can also be used to control pain so now an anti an anti seizure is an anti epileptic anti seizure medication now is being prescribed as a pain medication or now as they're making these description this prescription, maybe somebody discovered that they they prescribe this for a menopausal woman and she's not having hot flashes anymore. So now the, the drug is being prescribed to manage symptoms of menopause. And this happens with so many drugs that are out there.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So, and you know, the other thing about, so that's the off label prescribing, but the other thing going back to um, <laughs> the, the approval process Is it's almost like medical conditions are created. (laughs) So, you know, it's like, it's like the chick, which came first, the chicken or the egg. And it's almost like, is there really a medical condition for this drug? Or are we creating, you know, or do we have this drug to market? So now there's a condition for it. I remember a time, do you remember a time in your life where there was not such a thing as social anxiety?
0: Yeah, that was just called butterflies in the tummy. And everybody just had to deal with it, and eventually things would be fine. But it was just—it wasn't a big deal, just like restless leg syndrome. Mm -hmm. So you just upped your exercise, and for the most part, it wouldn't be a problem. But you know, my issue with these these pharmaceuticals is oftentimes we're chasing symptoms rather than getting to the heart of the matter. And the heart of the matter, in my opinion, lies in in your environment, in your, in what's happening in your life. I mean, the idea that when I go to the doctor and they're like, oh, well, you need to do this, this and this, and most times I'm like, well, that stuff isn't relevant in my life, but they don't take the time to ask, who are you with? Who are your people? What are you eating? What's traditional? What's not traditional? are you are you food safe are you do you have a steady you know income or you know those big stressors yeah. and they never ask you it, like you know even is this four dollars are you going to pay for a parking going to break you or you know oh i noticed that i have really difficult hours that your kids are going to be in school or you need some kind of health care or something Mm -hmm. They never ask about how your life is supported in other ways. They're just ready to whip out that prescription pad and give you, oh, you're anxious. There you go. Bye. Well, and this is a conversation. And so, so I just literally
1: had this conversation with my doctor yesterday, my primary care doctor, as I was like, we're throwing pills at the symptoms and the symptoms are multiplying they're they're not diminishing they're multiplying and they're getting more more acute and we are not having a conversation at what is what is really the problem here you know migraine is a symptom of perimenopause and and perimenopause all of the symptoms of perimenopause are also symptom of migraine right so it's like i have this like complex woven fabric of stuff going on in my body and yet even yesterday the conversation with my doctor about hey i'm thinking this is a hormone situation can we talk about looking at the hormones and her response was well how but ba- you know do you snore cuz i feel like the foggy brain might be cuz you're you have sleep apnea <laughs> mm. and and then the conversation was well i'll call obgyn cuz we can't, you know, if it's, if it's perimenopause, you're not a candidate for hormones, but
0: w- you know, we can, we can. <laughs> Nobody even uh, broached the subject of putting you on hormone therapy, by the way. It I was- said, Just look at it. You didn't say fucking bump me up like Arnold Schwarzenegger. What the hell?
1: Well, and that's the thing is that the, is that the conversation went from, Hey, can we talk about hormones to really kind of avoiding the conversation about looking at hormones, but at the same time saying, we can't give you hormones to treat this, but you know what? I'm going to prescribe fucking clonopin or Gabapentin, two incredibly powerful drugs for you. And when I, when I said to her, what are those, what do those treat? And her response is, well, hot flashes and insomnia. And I'm just like, those were not two symptoms that ever came out of my mouth. And, you know, so it's like, and here's the thing. So, so I'm ripping on the healthcare system, but I also want to offer a little tiny defense for doctors. I really like my primary care doctor. and I really like my neurologist. They're two very smart women, but I feel like they're within this prescribed symptom system with prescribed protocols and they get into this is how we this is how we practice medicine and i'm not saying that they don't have critical thinking skills or anything like that but what i'm saying is here's how we do our job in this place and it's not unique to the healthcare system that i that i'm paying for with my insurance it's generally the practice and, and it's just like, I just sit here because part of my frustration is I want you to stop and I want you to listen to what I'm asking you. I'm asking you, can I go talk to this specialist about this problem? Let's just talk to them. And instead what I'm getting is let's try 58 other things first. <laughs> and then jumping 38 steps ahead to do what? to give me a pill. And so it's like, how do you navigate that? And I'm exhausted, Alex, I am exhausted because I have to, because being the lawyer that I am, (laughs) Mm. I got a notebook full of notes that I'm keeping track of. And, and I have to do that because I can't remember shit, (laughs) Mm -hmm. but it's like, I, I am very, very blessed that I have the brain that I have, that I have the resources that I have, and that I have the education and the experiences that I've had, because that allows me to say to the doctor, I have a question, Yeah, <laughs> uh, you, you know? And and through this whole thing, I keep thinking, Alex, about people like my mom or girlfriends that I have or other people that I know that would never, ever, ever be able to have these conversations with their healthcare providers that I have.
0: So I, I am right on board with what you're saying. But I got to also note that I really think that doctors have been disempowered by pencil pushers, And I think this is a real problem because their curiosity about patients and their time with patients has been stifled to a minimum. It's Mm -hmm. more about getting getting through patients. And I... I, That's... that's I love it. Yeah. Medicine up a, a butt rather than just... Yeah. No. So... I also wanted to say that this is a major reason why people like my mother who was super dark skinned always had a distrust of Mm -hmm. white coats because they're just looking to quickly move you through and they've also done some very historically shifty stuff. Yeah. And so... That's why I think there's a different healthcare system for people who are native, who are black, who are brown, who are out on the margins of what is ideal. And I think this is a really chronic and bad problem. And this this is how racism is perpetuated. And the fact that you have to have your brain on just to go and see the doctor, you have to have your brain on and your wits about you. I mean here you're you're listening to two well educated women yes i I hate the idea of a poor immigrant person going to see the doctor and you know in third world countries that I've lived in, when a doctor came into town, everybody bowed down and yes, doctor, whatever you say because it was very important. the doctors seen as a very important person, but this ne- used to be important person is now in line with pencil pushers who are, you know, on their backs to see more patients give out prescriptions and just get it done.
1: It, you're hundred percent right. And, you know, I wanna, I wanna reiterate what you said about doctors being disempowered by the pencil pushers and the bottom line. You know, that's the economics of it. That's the capitalism of it. And, you know, we're all disempowered to capitalism right we've all been disempowered by capitalism and i know that there're going to be some people that that happen upon this podcast and be like what the hell are they talking about right we'll get to you later but but i want to say that because there are incredibly brilliant people with the right heart to do that work um so that's one thing the other thing i want to say is is what you're talking about is the dis- disparate healthcare systems you know it's like this is a thing that who was um black panther recently died right he died of wasn't it colon cancer that that he he was he um had been fighting colon cancer and um unfortunately he died um but what has been in the news about that is oh well, black men. <laughs> Have dis- disproportionate rates of colon cancer, colon that they're not getting treated for, right? And I mean, we we know this about black women. Black women, when they go to seek health care for different conditions, they're ignored m- most of the time. I mean, they have one of the highest rates of um, <laughs> my brain is going blank. I'm getting t- mortality, right? Yes, women and infants. Women and infants, right. And then, you know, what you were saying about um, Latina women, Native women, you know, it's like, it's like, I mean, well, shit, what was it in the 70s? The Preservation of Family Act sent Black, um, Hispanic, and Native women to the hospital to be... um, forcibly sterilized I mean that's 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 a different healthcare system that's not about taking care of us
0: you can have you know uh, social help if you take the pill or if you self-sterilize they didn't give you the choice sometimes oh you have to have a oh I know women who had to have cesareans in the, in the 70s and 80s and they were just given hysterectomies without any yeah. consent or problem
1: yeah, yeah, I mean that's that was the practice. And here we are today, of course, our our ability to seek our rightful health care, our reproductive health care, part of that being an abortion is restricted, right? So it's like there's an entire, you know, this healthcare system that you and I are discussing, I mean, we we are code switched. <laughs> To be able to get in and to do this, I mean, you know, speaking for myself, I'm a I'm a white lady
0: walking through the front door for all they know, and I want to say something to, to that for a moment. So I learned a while ago: the moment I say Latina or Hispanic, as they like marking, the moment I do that, I get a second class citizenship, and I get everybody else gets in front of me, and I have, I and my sisters have all gotten way different. Treatment. So from now on, as far as the doctor is concerned, I'm freaking Caucasian. Well, and this is the thing. This is the thing that's so jacked up about
1: that. I mean, aside from the second-class treatment, but it's like there in our populations, there are specific health concerns. You know, there are, there are health concerns that are specific to our population, and so if we're going in. And we're not identifying as this, that's some weird anomaly that's not going to get addressed. And yet if we roll up and are like, hey, I'm, you know, this is, this is how I identify, then it's just kind of like, oh, too bad. So sad. Fuck you. Don't, you know, don't come in. They've never even asked me. They've never asked me my heritage. And what's really funny is I actually, I have, I recently downloaded all of my medical records, And someone in one of my emergency room visits asked me my ethnicity and I said native and they had checked the box native American. Mm -hmm. They listed my tribe as Choctaw. What? I'm not Choctaw. Where'd they dig that up from? I don't know. It's one step short of the Cherokee. Mm. (laughs) We're all Cherokee or you know anyway. Yeah but I mean this is the thing is that you know, you and I, and, and there are others like us who switch it up and we go and we know how to game this. We know how to work within this. Um, but we can't forget this, all of the sisters out there, all the relatives out there who can't. Right. And they're getting right. fucked over by this process. Excuse me, sorry, mom. I know, I know my, my mom listens and she probably doesn't like it when I swear. The fuck the system. I'm sorry, mom.
0: <laughs> but it's a serious, serious concern. I, you know, my dear friend of mine, her sister died in the ER because, the, you know, she came in and, you know, she presented as a larger woman and they refused to pay attention to her complaints, which had nothing to do with her weight. And she ended up dying. It was a complete medical malpractice Mm -mm. because they wouldn't move on and listen. Oh, and by the way, she's darker skin and oh, you know, she's got an accent when she talks. I mean,
1: it's it's a thing and people don't want to do that. And, you know, they want to talk about that. And you just brought up a whole other issue, right? Is the fat phobia. Mm hmm. And, and, you know, for many of our listeners, it's not going to be a new thing to you. It's like when you go in, they take your weight. I, by the way, when I go in, I get the side eye because they're like, oh, can you step on the scale, please? And I was like, and I just look them dead in the end, I'm like, no.
0: Ooh, repeat that. For all of our listeners, remember, you get a choice. You have bodily agency and you can say no. Oh. No, and I do, and they're like, "Oh, well, we really
1: need to get your weight." And I say, "No, you don't." Well, it's kind of important, and I asked a nurse one time. I said, "Why what what will you what information will you get from knowing this number?" Well, in case we have to prescribe medication. And I said, well, that's really interesting because you don't prescribe medication based on my weight. It's prescribed by the dosages available by the pharmaceutical company. There's always a minimum dose. That has nothing to do with my weight. Well, there are some important health indicators. And I was like, I'm here for migraine. What what indicators does weight... What bearing does weight have on migraine? Well, I'll let you talk to the doctor about it. That answer means you don't fucking know. So zip it. And so I don't. I, I, I can't tell you the last time that I stepped on a scale in the doctor's office. I refuse to do it. Mm-hmm. If you need to know my weight to make sure that the device that's lifting my gorgeous fat ass from one place to another, if you need to know that the weight can bear that, then I'll fucking get on the scale. But if you're going to tell me, well, you know, if you lost some weight, you wouldn't have migraine. I'm going to tell you to fuck right off. And when you get there to fuck off again, sorry, mom.
0: (laughs) So damn true. You can go in impaled with a knife and they'll still be singing the same damn song. If you weren't fat, you wouldn't have a knife in your chest
1: okay yeah well, well you know what keep this up you're gonna have a knife in your chest <laughs> but yeah it's like and and this is I think this so we've talked about like I think we need to do like 12 podcasts just on this topic because it's like we have we have the system that is set up to limit us I you know I mean there's disparity in terms of who's driving the bottom line, we've, we've kind of touched on here, the dis, different healthcare systems available based on your, you know, your, your financial position, your skin color, your ethnicity, um, it, you know, on that. But let's just talk about women's healthcare specifically.
0: <laughs>
1: Part two. Part two. Yeah, let's let's do that part two. And as a part of part two, I also want to talk about whole person uh, medicine, which you kind of talked on Mm -hmm. about. um, Nobody wants to spend that time because I want to talk about when you pay out of your pocket to go see what's quote unquote alternative medicine, like a naturopath all the time they spend to get a sense of your whole life i would like to talk about that in part two as well yes all right so uh as we wrap up part one do we have nosh
0: uh i'll tell you about my nosh that i made yesterday how about make? i made shakshuka <gasps> oh so for those of you who don't know, shakshuka is this wonderful mm-hmm. blend of fresh tomatoes, peppers, harissa, which is a pepper, a hot pepper, a Mid- uh, Middle Eastern hot pepper mm. sauce, and olives, and capers, um, and a whole onion sauteed in garlic, and you just let this slow simmer, so Right now we are you know, in September, so I've got a glut of tomatoes and produce around. This is a fantastic thing to put into your blender and blend it all up and then saute it with gent- gently with um, an onion. And then and then I had some leftover chickpeas. I put it in there. So shakshuka is usually done with eggs, but I was like, nah, I'm not feeling the eggs today. So I put in my other source of protein, which is chickpeas homemade just in the slow cooker. And I put, a, put it all over a bed of uh, rice and a little feta on top because, you know, I, I love my Greek feta. So, so it,
1: you know, I'm just, that sounds amazing. It really was. That sounds amazing. It, even the feta part, even though I'm kind of like off dairy, um, have you tried the f- the feta from Trader Joe's, it's in the blue container.
0: Mm,
1: no. There, Trader Joe's has this, is it feta? I think, yeah, it's feta. Israeli feta. Mm. It's to die for. I can't eat it, but you should. So, that's ridiculous. That's ridiculous. I think um, my nosh that I had because I, so I've been trying a new, food plan to kind of manage some of these issues that I'm having. And so that means I don't get to enjoy tacos the way that I used to. Um, But I had some corn tortillas, the kind that only have like four ingredients in them, three ingredients. So I bought some of those. Um, And I'm, I'm mostly like a vegetarian. I don't really eat meat, but I've been really craving chicken. And I have a theory about that, but I actually bought bone broth. So what I did is I took mushrooms, shiitake and trumpet king mushrooms. Yes. And I chopped them up finely, like, so they were like ground hamburger. I chopped them up finely with onion and um, green and yellow zucchini squash. Put them in a pan with a little bit of just a little, little, little tiny bit of coconut oil. And I sauteed that up, threw some garlic in, sauteed that up. And then I added the taco seasoning with probably about three tablespoons of chicken bone broth, organic. It it came from pastured chicken. So, I mean, this was like the $48 bag of of bone broth. It was like that, you know, I wanted to make sure I was going to get like good stuff. Right. So it's like pastured chicken bone broth, And I put it in there, and then I fried up the corn tortilla in a little bit of the coconut oil, and I thought it was going to die. It was so flavorful. So that was my nosh. That was divine. That was my nosh. Okay. So we're going to wrap this up. So thanks for listening. Come back for part two of our, um, healthcare talk, piercing the corporate veil of healthcare. Um, thanks for listening. And if you like what you hear, please like and share and spread the word on our behalf. You can find us on Facebook at SAS and NOSH or heart river coaching, or alex v yogi you can find us on instagram at indigenous sash Nash or heart river coaching or alex v yogi
0: yes so thank you very much to ancestors and present um, people here in kumiai territory and also thank you to your ancestors' kim and to mine and to our listeners may we all do things in a good way for the good of all and so it is
1: all right see you next time part 2 sasanash